Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. to another exciting episode of SFP Now. Uh, joining me tonight is Raisa and also joining me is my cat who is walking across my keyboard and making her way to her cat tree, stretching out, um, puffing her coat up and sticking her head defiantly up in the air and curling up in her middle hammock. Um, but welcome to another show. That, that was a really exciting scene I just uh, described there from, from a typical day in this house. <laughs> So, um, basically, tonight we're going to be discussing Doctor Who, Arrow, The Flash, um, and Supergirl. And, um, but before we get that, we're going to sort of like, uh, start off with um, a, a discussion around about um, a Christmas special that was made for BBC back in 1991 called Bernard and the Genie, um, which uh, starred a, a very young and fresh-faced Alan Cummings. Um, Rowan Atkinson and Lenny Henry as a genie. Uh, I I just saw like I found this on YouTube the other day, and I I felt I need to share it with my friend here, Reesa, to so I get get her views on it. And uh, Reesa, Bernard and the genie, what do you think? I thought it was excellent. Um, I'm a I'm a Richard Curtis Blackadder fan, so to me there were aspects of it where it was basically a really awesome um, Blackadder esque episode with a genie in it, played played brilliantly by Lenny Henry. Um, and I was I was kind of freaked out by how young Alan Cummings was. It makes me feel a little bit old. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, to put, put it into context, he made this thing about uh, eight years before he uh, before he appeared in X-Men in heavy makeup. Mm, okay. Yeah, okay. so it's so like it was made in 1991. Yeah, I was I was just 18. <laughs> yeah, I I would have been um, I would have been 21 going on 22 back then. But it was um, I, I remember it being on, and uh, it was on Christmas Eve in in nineteen ninety one when I seen, it and I saw like it was Nanny Henry, and I thought I go watch this because Nanny Henry is just so funny. So like he's like one of the one of the British comedians, one one of the, one of the few British comedians that actually cracks me up. Um, you know, he, he did all you know you know he could do all these voices. He had his he had a sketch show, famous sketch show in the eighties and stuff like that. But he doesn't do that much comedy now. He's, he's mostly known now for his acting and uh. Uh, and and also a little bit for his singing. Um, but back in the eighties was when when he was doing his comedy and stuff like that. And he, he did that probably right well into the mid mid the mid nineties. I think Bernard and the Genie was actually one of his first roles. Ah. Uh, yeah, but, I, I I I what I what I appreciated about it apart from the fact that it was it was Black esque was the fact that Richard Curtis just got on with it. The story was the story. There were there were there were that you know it wasn't a, you know a labyrinthine narrative. It was just a straightforward yarn about Bernard and the Genie, yeah. and that was what it was. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is, I was actually reading about this on the Den of Geek, because once I found it on YouTube, I decided to do research on Bernard and Genie, so I was wondering if there was ever ever going to be a sequel to it or something like that, you know, like you do sometimes? Yeah, yeah. Think, this is good, they, should, they could have done a sequel to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, um, I found an interview with Lenny Henry on Den of Geek, and Lenny Henry actually said that um, the the whole premise of it was based on a discussion that he had with Richard Curtis, and it was just sort of like basically a discussion that they were having go over drinks and whatnot, and um, he says within less than a week, Richard Curtis came back to him with a script, and it just all sort of kind of came together and happened out of the blue. As in, wow. you know, when, wow. you know, Lenny Henry wasn't expecting anything to happen from this discussion whatsoever. 
he, he just thought he was just having a chat with Richard Curtis and spitballing ideas for the you know for the fun of it. He didn't think that there was gonna be uh, gonna be a whole special made out of it. So it just so like all happened. Awesome. You know. So it's the best way actually. So that that's what you know. Re, you know, having read that interview and wait, rewatched it again um, after sort of like um, I don't know, sort of like um, it's got to be seventeen. No, it's like it's got to be twenty seven years. <laughs> Yeah, or something, or something crazy like that. Yeah. Um, because I remember it was on one Christmas. It was on on in ninety one, and I think they repeated it in ninety two, mm. and it's not been shown since. Yeah, you know? yeah. And it's like, and there's a lot of stuff that the BBC have done like this that's sort of like been shown once but never repeated. Yeah. And, what I appreciated about it. Um, and I say this as a non-Christian, what I appreciated about it was the fact that they, they actually had um, very heartfelt, non-cynical discussion of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. You, you don't often get that, you know, and I, and I say that as a non-Christian. Um, one of the reasons why I'm a non-Christian is the fact that usually the discussions of Christ get um, kind of cynical these days, and I really just don't have the energy for it. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I really appreciated the fact that Lenny Henry, in, in one of the few genuinely serious bits, he and Bernard end up just having this basic conversation about Jesus Christ and, and about, you know, the fact that he was a, he was a, you know, a lousy businessman, but a great human being. <laughs> no, that was, that was great. I mean, you know, so when, when, when the genie's going, oh, you mean Big J? I met yeah. Big J, yeah. <laughs> Right, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's just a, it's just a really funny show, and 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 there was another one I sent you uh, called the greatest story in the world. Um, if you want, we can very quickly discuss that before going to Doctor Who. Yeah, although that one isn't technically a genre piece, but it's, but it's got the the heartfelt uh, genuineness of of just basic Christmas fare, and it had a lovely role in it for um, Peter Capaldi. Peter Peter Capaldi, who who actually. While it's not overtly stated, is is essentially the male lead and love interest in it, mm-hmm. and he's a doorman. <laughs> he's a doorman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, he's, and he's absolutely adorable. He plays he plays relatable schlub like nobody's business, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's it's, it's marvelous. Yeah, I love that as well. That that was that was a uh, first aired here in nineteen ninety nine. So that's um, only about uh, you know eighteen, maybe twenty years old now. Um, <laughs> um, but they've not, you know, BBC haven't made anything like this since. They've kind of gone on to a animation, animated fair now, and and stuff like that. I mean, they've got a, an animation happening this year uh, in which Lenny Henry's providing the voice work for it. So, oh, cool. so yeah. that that that's something to look for. I forget what it's called now. I think it's called Zog or something like that. I'm not not not, not entirely sure. Um, but they, you know, they they did a they did something called Robbie the Reindeer a couple of years, you know, a few years back, uh, which was a animated thing that they showed on Christmas Day. But you know, I, I just think the BBC needs to invest more and do more stuff like this. Yes, because as as one ops go, those were both quite wonderful, and that were exactly what I was in the mood for. So thank you for you know putting me onto them. Okay, well, on to Doctor Who, and I think I'm going to do, do ourselves a huge favour now. Um, hang on, um, because we, we're going to skip, I think, uh, Tisranga, or whatever it was, the conundrum one. Yes. We're going to skip that yes. one. Uh, we, did, we, we can do arachnids in the UK, if you like, um, and um, demons of Punjab, and the last one, I think. Yes, and yes, and and I want to do them very specifically to not only discuss them in relation to Doctor Who in general, but also to discuss discuss them in relation to social commentary in relation to um, Supergirl, because there are some some similarities and some differences in terms of the mandates of the two shows this year. Yeah, we're going to start off with Arachnids in the UK because that would be the, 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 that makes sense chronologically, as we yes. as they say. And basically, um, after having met Rosa Parks a week prior, they've um, sojourned over to Yorkshire in modern times, and we meet Yaz's family, and um, all of a sudden, they, they uncover a creepy mystery where spiders have taken over the entire city of Sheffield. Um, you know, which, this sort of thing happens in Sheffield all the time. <laughs> 
it does, um, oh. you know. But, but then again, the nearest I've been to Sheffield is Leeds, but you know, it happens there too. Oh. <laughs> um, but it's, um, I, I, I quite enjoyed it. Um, for yes, some reason, um, as a as a for a non-historical episode, it, it was it's been the strong that was the strongest of the non-historical episodes we've had. Yeah, and you know when when I read Dominic's review on it, Dominic liked it, but he didn't really mark it that highly. Um, I, I I loved it, but then I'm into um, creature feature storylines in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm one of those weird people who actually uh, tends to root for the creatures and feel for the creatures because in these in these storylines where the um, the mutated creatures mutate. It's not their fault. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I loved about the episode was the fact that the doctor highlighted the fact that it was not the spider's fault. They were just they, it was a situation they ended up in, but they you know they had no control over it. And the at the end when the when the spider's actually gotten so large that it can't even process oxygen properly and it basically suffocates to death, you know. I, 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 I really felt it because it's like she goes from Sheila to Charlotte in 60 seconds. Mm-hmm. And it just, it was, it actually, um, you know, I'm, you may think I'm strange, but I actually shed a tear or two because was, it was hard to watch. Yeah, the only thing I was slightly disappointed in about it was uh, the fact that, you know, we didn't get any references to the Doctor's past with spiders. You know, yeah, I was. I was and I kind of, about, I kind yeah, of wanted a little reference, uh, but then again, it was written by Chris Chibnall, and Chris Chibnall's dismissing everything from Doctor Who's past in order to, start uh-huh. to have, have a clean slate. But I don't think a reference to the Doctor's pasting, past um, experiences with spiders would have been a reference as such. It certainly wouldn't have been a reference that you know, newer fans would have got. Uh, no, but I mean, the older fans would, would have appreciated it because Metabelius 3 is why th- doctor is why the third Doctor had to become the fourth Doctor. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's not a minor thing. He actually lost a life mm. over, over you know, all, all, the, all that stuff. So, um, yeah, I would have appreciated that. The, yeah. o- the overall episode was solid, though. Um, and I'll discuss this a little more when we get to Supergirl, but I kind of really appreciated the fact that when they did social commentary, political social commentary with Chris uh, Noth's uh, Trump-like character there, he was um, he was not an allegory for Trump. He was adjacent to Trump. Trump mm-hmm. literally exists as somebody in the Hoovers that they comment on, and, and his character was adjacent to Trump. And I have to say, in terms of social commentary, I preferred adjacent to to uh, um, allegory for. Yeah, I mean, you know, to be honest, this is uh, this is something that's bugging me. But we can discuss this again, you know, a little bit more and get to Supergirl because we'll do Supergirl after these these two episodes. Uh, Next episode, I love this one. This has got to be the strongest historical, definitely stronger than Rosa. And the reason yes. I say that is we all know who Rosa Parks is. Yes. Majority of people know who Rosa Parks is. And while not taking anything away from 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 from, from her accomplishments and and what she managed to achieve as as a, as a as a leading activist uh, for you know for for black people in terms of um, you know. Fighting against the, the the racial tensions that that that, that were around during the uh, during the nineteen fifties and sixties and seventies and eighties and beyond, uh-huh. um, there's not really um, there's not really much mentioned um, about um, the the Punjab and the partition of India in nineteen forty seven. It seems no. to be it seems to be something that. You know, you get the odd sort of like uh, period drama that might sort of like, uh, you know, be set in India and brush over it sort of thing, but it's not really discussed. And this is sort of like the first time Dot Who's discussed something like, you know, like the partition of India. And uh, and I, um, I, I even found myself reading up on Wikipedia uh, what happened af- afterwards because so like it's not really a part of history that I'm that familiar with you know so yeah, I, I read yeah. up on it and but I, I loved the story I loved its setting and I loved that you had uh, two very traditional song like families you had a Muslim family and a Hindu family and it was going to be a marriage between these two two different song like cultures 
Um, you know, and, and I love the fact that they've been neighbours for absolutely years and they'd helped each other and grow, you know, grown up and worked together around each other. And then you have this, uh, you know, rather brutal political change where, where the British partition India, often Pakistan, and, um, you know, all of a sudden it's brother against brother. Yeah, yeah. And, you know... And and I like that, and I like the way the the doctor and our characters in, entwined with that. But I also um, I also quite enjoyed the fact that the aliens were not what the doctor thought they were. Right, right. You know, because she thought they were they were there to sort of like uh, assassinate people, yes. and they 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 were not. They they've actually changed their ways, and and they were there to witness. And I thought that was actually re- a really you know a really clever twist. Yeah, and totally, it had a lot in common with one of my other favorite modern historicals, Vincent and the Doctor, mm. in that it was a very bittersweet episode. It was it was one of those, cause, I mean, the episode ends with the Doctor walking away as you hear the bullet in the background. I know. And it's like, holy, holy crap, you know, that's, that's dark. And I realized that the last time that a historical was that dark, and also that light simultaneously was Vincent and the doctor because she was dealing with a situation where she couldn't actually fix it. Even, even if she tried, she couldn't fix it because the underlying reality was so systemically what it was. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, I appreciated that. I appreciated that aspect of it. I also appreciated two other things. I appreciated the fact that both historicals harken back to old school first Doctor historicals, and that they're actually trying to teach the audience about the history. Mm-hmm. Because Doctor, Doctor Who's initial mandate before the Daleks, before the Bug-Eyed Monsters, was to teach the kids about history. And these two episodes, uh, and Vincent's and the Doctor before him, uh, actually do that. The other thing that I found very interesting, though, is that because time travel is old hat 50 years later, you don't have the conversation like you got into with, with Barbara and the doctor in the Aztecs where she actually you know, calls him on non-interference. These modern companions take the non-interference directive a little more to heart more automatically because they time travel is more ingrained in them in, in the, at the meta level because of the society they live in and because of the popular culture and stuff. And mm-hmm. so the, the debate that uh, Barbara has with First Doctor isn't necessary with these modern companions in quite the same way. Yeah, they, they've all seen Back to the Future, whereas Barbara and Ian hadn't because it right, hadn't been out there. Right, right. And, yeah. uh, you know, and various other things. <laughs> um, you know, so like, uh, we just got to imagine a universe where Doctor Who doesn't exist and, and it's a real Time Lord and it's real TARDIS and, you know, everything that we've had, you know, is Back to the Future, Star Trek and all that. All that stuff exists, but Doctor Who's sort of like real. <laughs> yes, In, yes. You know, just sort of like get what the, you know, to, to experience the episode. But yeah, I, I like that as well. But the one thing that sort of like um, a lot of people have pulled it on is the fact that when Yaz is with her grandmother at the very end, her grandmother doesn't clock that it was actually Yaz that was with her sort of like 50 years ago. We assume so, but we haven't seen the rest of the season yet. Yeah, you know, but, you know, I, I, I kind of like to think that, um, you know, her grandmother did know, but she's sort of like uh, keeping it on the down though. Yeah, that's, that's what I assume. And not only, not only for narrative purposes, because we're not through the whole season yet, but because that just makes more sense. I mean, because she refers to Yaz as her favorite grandchild openly in front of both her grandchildren. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's, there's got to be a reason for that. And um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm waiting for that shoe to drop. It just hasn't dropped yet. Yeah, I'm wondering if it might even drop at all because I don't, and I'm not, not that sure if there's an art going through this. To be honest, no. My my impression is that if there if there are arcs, there are character arcs. Things like uh, things like Ryan and Graham coming to grips with each other as as a family unit. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and um, yeah, I'm not sure what Yaz's arc is. So yeah, I mean, I'm I'm kind of hoping that Yaz and Ryan don't end up together. Oh please, no. I, no, I can't because take it. They're, they're, they're not Ian and Barbara. Ian and Barbara, that's fine, because they were Ian and Barbara, and they were just, they were together even before they locked the fact that they were together. Mm. But just forcing people together for the sake of it just makes no sense. Yeah, but the, the other thing is we had a, we had Rory and, and Amy, and Amy yeah. sort of thing, yeah. and they really milked that and, and they, stuff they like did. that. And it just sort of like, I think we're... Uh, the next episode we're going to discuss is an Astot Two episode that's uh, recently aired, Kabanam. Um, that was that was good. That was commentary on Amazon Plus. Yeah, and, uh, I got that right away. Yeah, yeah, and I was it was good commentary on Amazon. <laughs> yes, it's um, it's also kind of commentary on a on a company here in England called Sports Direct, who who were so I you know pretty much having the same sort of like work practices. Yes. Um, you know, so like slave rate wages and uh, and unreasonable expectations on the workers to sort of like uh, get stuff done in ten minutes. Um, yeah. Short breaks and, and just work 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 them to death basically. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was pretty good. I felt it was a bit slow to get started. Yeah, yeah. But, but once, uh, once it did, yeah. It, it it was good. Um, there's not really much else can say about it because it's so like it, it wasn't really it doesn't really warrant a huge discussion like the uh, like the demon demon in the Punjab does. Sort of no, in fact, my impression of the season so far is that the only two discussion worthy episodes, as cool as the other episodes might be for you know individual character beats here and there, the only discussion worthy episodes have been the historicals. Mm-hmm. And we've got another historical next week by the Mucker Films. It's either going to be going to, um, to Salem or something. Yeah. It might might not be Salem. It might be uh, might might be the so like. Oh no, it's Scotland. 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 You're right. It's Scotland. Yeah. I misunderstood that. But yeah, my I read an article that said um, they did that on purpose. They're alternating the straight sci-fi with the historicals. So like you get one week on, one week off. I think that's actually a good idea. Um, because again, that's sort of like more in line with the uh, with the original sort of like nineteen sixties show as well. Because I think he, I think think they did alternate between sci fi and history back in the uh, back in the sixties. Yeah, and it, and it makes sense considering that's ten episodes, so you'd want five of each basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so you know one one thing it's being criticised for is a lot of people saying it's got two two PC, and you know I question what these people have been watching all this time. Because Doctor Who has always been kind of PC. It's always been political. It's yes. always, it's, you know, it's never necessarily always been its mandate to be political, but it has always been political and it has always commented on, on, on history or, or present day and use science fiction the way science fiction is meant to be used. Um, so I, I just it just confuses me to 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 know what these people that are accusing of being too PC and and whatnot have been watching. I don't know. I you know I I try. I've gotten to a point where unless I'm looking for specific reactions to specific elements of the episodes, I don't read the commentary as much anymore because they just they they set me off. They set my teeth on edge. It's, it's just weird, you know, it's all like it's, it seems to be, you know, it's, it's kind of like uh, a lot of people are complaining and seem to be coming at it from a very sort of like uh, right-wing uh, viewpoint. Um, and, you know, and, and to be honest, I don't think uh, science fiction and the, the, and, and the right of politics actually mixes very well. No, <laughs> I mess- no. You know, I mean, so like, um, for example, when 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 they made the uh, the movie of a uh, Angan Moore's um, Guy Fawkes character thing, what is it now? Um, Beef for Vendetta. Beef for Vendetta. When that was made, all the right wings were screaming "Bungoo Bungoo Murder" sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. And you know, and 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 um, you know, I'm, I'm sure Angan Moore was sort of like kicking up his heels, going "Whoopee!" All the right wingers <laughs> are kicking up their heels about it. I mean, yeah. that, that was the whole freaking point of that. <laughs> yes, it was. Whereas, you know, Doctor Who is bit, it's, it's always done it, but it's always been, you know, and it's never, never really actually been that subtle about it either. So, although, you know. yeah, although it's more, it's more subtle than other shows we could mention and we'll mention later. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, we'll move on to that now. Supergirl, which is kind of been about as subtle as a sledgehammer. Yeah, I see. Here's the thing: I'm really torn. I appreciate that they're trying to do what they're doing. It needs to be done. But if they're going to do it, they need to do it along the lines of the way Doctor Who is doing it, not the way they're doing it. Uh, they they need to be more organic about it, um, and, and they need to dial it back like about a quarter of a notch at least. Because um, I'm I'm they're preaching to the choir with me, and I feel like I'm being hit over the head. Mm. I mean, so it's, it's kind of obvious that uh, Bruce Boxnight's president is uh, basically Trump. Yes. Yeah. You know, it, it's kind of obvious that that's there. Uh, and on top of that, you got the uh, you got the, the the guy. What's he called with the mask now? The oh, the, the agent of liberty. Yeah, Sam Witwer's character. Sam Sam Witwer's agent of liberty character. He's very obviously Steve Bannon. Yes. You know. Yeah, and I and the thing is, if you want to see what it looks like, what it what an actor who's working for his paycheck looks like, watch Sam Witwer on Supergirl because he is doing his best to make something of those scripts they are not good scripts they're not and um, you know but Sam, Sam Whitworth's actually a bloody good actor anyway I mean, he's someone that we've interviewed uh, in the past on this channel um, when, when he did when he was doing his work on Star Wars and um, and what was it the the US version of uh, being human being human yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But yes, it, it has been about as subtle as a sledgehammer. I mean, I'm, I'm all caught up. I watched the uh, new episode earlier today, and um, they, you know, they they had Jimmy Olsen going out to sort of like, and, and he's obviously going to be sort of like getting a, uh, you know, get getting initiated into this uh, organization next week, or being used as a as a punch bag. And here's and here's the thing that really pisses me off and demonstrates that these scripts are not as strong as they should be. Everybody with a brain in that universe knows that knows that Jimmy Olsen, James Olsen, whatever he wants to call himself at this point in the game, is basically an honorary member of the House of Elf. Mm-hmm. Everybody with a brain. And so suddenly they're supposed to buy that he's turned, and it's like you know, it's 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 under it's undercover schmuck bait. Well, he's not going to turn, is he? He's not. He's not going to turn. Um, I know, but I mean, to, personally, when I was watching, I thought it was rather stupid to meet that guy for the second time. Anyway, after having seen what it was like, <laughs> you know, you, yeah. you know, any sensible person, never mind sensible journalist, is not going to put put his life in da- in danger twice. Like no, that. and in fact, when when he, when he when he and Lena were having that argument, I actually sided with Lena. I'm like, you're being a dick. Don't do this with your time. Well, you know, I thought they were both being dicks, to be honest. Well, they, yeah, they, they both are, but, but she's written that way on purpose. He was especially being a dick because he has not been written that way up to now. But what is interesting in the development is uh, Nina's experimenting with the, uh, with the hat. The hat out, yes. You know, and um, she's, she's t- created an invincible hat. Um, so, you know, we've got Net Smoother coming into it later on, and it's not going to take too much um, figuring out to know what Net Smoother is going to do with that. Yeah, and by the way, Lex Luthor is John Cryer. Yep, he was um, in Superman 4. Uh, yeah, I, I actually realised I had blocked out Superman 4. I, have, I remember nothing about it and don't care to ever watch it to refresh it. I literally, it's one of those franchises where they have two good movies and everything after that, I just sort of, I don't care. Mm. Um, Superman three was all right. It was it was solid enough, but it's like generally I just don't care after two. Mm. Um, but yeah, I I'm not I'm, a lot of people were slagging on it being John Cryer. I'm actually okay with it being John Cryer precisely because he's not who you would think for in that role. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that he I'm hoping that he's able to you know do some really interesting stuff and either play yeah. with or against type simultaneously maybe. Yeah, but what I'm trying to figure out is, um, you know, he's um, he's only five years younger than Brenda Strong. That's, that's the other problem. That's, that's a and, problem. And um, I'm, I'm just wondering if she if she invented some sort of technology where she was able to give birth to a, a fully formed adult. Yeah, and we're it's going to be one of those deals. You know how you know how when they brought in Matt Nabel and he gave a really solid performance relative to a CW show as as Ray Shulkle, but you just sort of had to politely ignore the fact that he was Australian. Mm-hmm. It's it's like that. 
it's the Lex Luthor equivalent of politely ignoring the fact he's Australian. <laughs> so we're just going to have to, you know, let it go. Yeah, I mean, you know, to be honest, um, he's, he's not as bad a choice as... Uh, Aaron Eisenberg. As Aaron Eisenberg. Oh, my God. Uh, I was like, oh, my God, that's Lex Luthor. I don't think people would actually say that Aaron Eisenberg was a better choice than John Cryer. Well, that would, be, that would be a more effective argument once we've seen what Cryer does. But, um, yeah, the, the movies are a whole other conversation. I'm not willing to have at this point. To be honest, I don't think we've actually seen a decent portrayal of Matt Smoother since... I haven't, uh, I, haven't, I haven't been happy with any of the actors who've played him, if I'm brutally honest. Not, not even Hackman. And I, thought, I know Hackman can act. I and thought I Kevin think, Spacey was actually, was actually pretty good. Um you know, he's a uh, he's hitting on uh, young young boys aside. Yeah. Um, I thought I thought he did a pretty good Matt Smoother, to be honest, in in the uh, in the Superman Returns film, and I think he was actually the strongest part of it. Which is sad commentary right there. Mm-hmm. But... Well, yeah, because something I did with Superman Returns, um, it was very obvious that Singer was trying to do he, he was trying to do it as a continuation of the first two Superman movies. And um, and the the problem with there was that he was having Brent, Brendan Ralph play Clark Kent and Superman the way that uh, that Christopher Reeve played it, and yeah. you know, and it didn't work. It didn't work exactly for that reason because yeah. of, like um, only Christopher Reeve could play Superman and Clark Kent the way that he played Superman and Clark Kent. I mean, yeah. it's like it's, you didn't like see see them getting Christopher Reeve, you know, saying. Right, Chris, we want you to play this like George Reeve played it back in the 1950s. You know, we didn't see people saying that to him, sort of no. thing. Um, no. So it's just, uh, you know, to be honest, I, I, I would have loved to have seen Brendan Ralph get another shot at it. Yeah. You know, based, based on what I've seen him done, do, do since, I would have liked to have seen him get another shot playing Clark Kent and Superman. But you know, to have done it his way and and not the way that 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 Chris, not the way that Christopher Reeve did it, or the way he was being told to do it. Yeah, yeah. You know, but that's an entirely different conversation. Um, but um, with with Supergirl, I'm kind of like um, it, it's just very very obvious where the storylines go in. Yeah, and then and then we've, and then we've also got you know the um, we've also got the the Russian clone girl. Mm-hmm. Storyline for the back half. Um, I, I have to say that just from a structural standpoint, I kind of appreciated how they covered for the fact that the Supergirl filming schedule coincided with um, Melissa Benoist's last little bit of Broadway stuff. So they had to they had to do that whole um, suit containment suit Iron Man homage to to minimize her screen time while the schedules were kind of colliding. Uh-huh. And um, I, I actually thought that was a, an effective way to do it. I'm quite, I'm quite enjoying the uh, the trans character, but I yeah. wish they'd actually do something with her because at the moment she's just sort of like there as a as a subordinate for 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 Kara. My my impression is it's a slow burn. I mm-hmm. I doubt that they would have actually gotten um, someone like Nicole Maines to play this for them if they were just going to make her a potted plant. I I have a feeling that they had specific conversations with her and that that, there, that there's a a, tra- a trajectory there. Mm-hmm. Um, I I am really loving her and um, her and Brainy. Yeah, I, I I quite enjoyed that, and I quite enjoyed the awkward moment I had last night at the um, at the Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah, um, I would prefer them as a platonic couple, but if they wanted to go romantic with those two, that's a ship I could actually support. Mm-hmm. So, um, what do you make of Manchester Black? He's he's a little obvious for my taste, but the actor elevates the material. So. Yeah, but you know, um, have you seen Superman and Eat that? animated film they did a few years back yeah. where they had Manchester back in that and he was a white dude with a really over exaggerated Mancunian accent as in so yes. over exaggerated it was so it was really crap and he was yeah. saying wanker every other word <laughs> yeah and it was voiced by Robin Atkin Downs yeah I remember <laughs> I remember I just I watched that and I cringed every time he said wanker yeah I'm sorry I'm so sorry <laughs> just, oh dear me 
It's so like to their, to, to their credit, um, I actually read the casting sides for the character, and they specifically requested somebody from England. So I think they knew that they were going to have to avoid that trap. Mm-hmm. But you know, I like the um, I like this version of Manchester Black better than the version that we've seen in oh, Superman. Definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, this 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 version of him actually has somewhere to go, and I I really like that they've obviously they're obviously making him a foil for uh, Jean. Because I have to say, putting putting the social commentary aside, um, Jean's story arc is one of the actual story arcs I'm enjoying in and of itself this season. Mm-hmm. So okay, well, um, so you know, I'm kind of like uh, I don't think there's been a single episode of Supergirl that I I can actually particularly mark pretty highly this year. In Not terms so far. Of story no, I'll, I'll let a, you know. So so far, they just sort of one has led into next. Yeah, it's all like. Um, I think that's why Patrick hasn't been reviewing them that much because it's kind of like been, you know. Whereas, yeah. um, whereas the show that we're going to discuss next, um, I think has been the strongest this season, which is really weird because usually it's the weakest, and that's Arrow. Yeah, Arrow. Although some of the plots have, yeah, on some levels, been excuses for awesome fight scenes. I'll take it. Um, yeah, Arrow. Arrow is cool. The identity of the demon was a bit of a gimme, but I'll take that too because it was just awesome to see her again. Yeah, <laughs> I, I tried to say that in my review uh, last week that it was a bit of a gimme. It was a bit obvious that it was going to be one, one of the Al Ghoul sisters. Yeah, which, <laughs> whichever one they gave us, you know. Yeah, but I'm, I'm glad they gave us Nissa because Nissa's, you know. Oh, you mean you mean Talia? With, yeah. Sorry, I'm glad they gave us Talia because Talia is the one we've not seen that much of really uh, throughout the series. But I really yeah. want Nissa to come back as well. Oh God, I adore Nissa. Adore her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, she's better. She's definitely the better looking of the uh, of 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 the, of the sisters. Not not that um, not that Tawia isn't 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 good looking, but you know, no, um, it's personal taste thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but. You know, it'd be interesting to see the sisters working together or or um, against each other. Yeah, and, and and these developments, um, having having Talia out out there now, um, it's going to be interesting going forward. So, mm-hmm. um, generally speaking, on Arrow, I'm I'm kind of torn about the future the future storyline because if this is one more future that they're going to have, that's that's crap. And they're not going to have time travel, and they're not going to fix it. Why should I care about anything that's happening? Yeah, it's kind of obvious that you know that this time travel there because so like um, we we've got the Green Arrow on 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 the run and out there doing stuff. While all of yeah, but you're jail. you're assuming that he's older. Yeah, that's assuming that he's older. Who we think it is? Yeah, mm-hmm. so. But it's um I'm I'm quite enjoying it. Um I'm quite enjoying that um that that Diaz hasn't yes. hasn't been in it that much. Please, thank you. I mean with with all due respect to Kirk Acevedo, who deserves so much better, oh my god. Um minimizing him has actually been the thing to do. Yeah, the, you know, they minimized him and by minimizing him they've made him more effective villain because he's more like a bogeyman yes. than the that we're all trying to get at. And, uh, and I, I, I adore the silencer. She's awesome. Mm-hmm. But what, what what's got me wondering is: is there going to be another big villain this season that that we that we're not aware of? That's just going like going to you know we're going to get to sort of like a mid season finale, and they're going to reveal a big villain. That, that yeah, yes, I, I hope there is because with, again, with all due respect to Kirk Acevedo, who deserves so much better, um, Diaz as the big villain one more time. Um, when we're having the point that he's still out there hammered into us with no subtlety whatsoever is just pathetic. Yeah. So I will, I, I mean, Arrow will lose points if there isn't somebody else out there. They, they, they definitely will, but I, I've really been enjoying the season of, of, of you know, thus far. You know, I oh, really, over, overall it's been real. Overall really, it's been real. My, my one complaint is I'm just really tired of bleak futures. I need, I, need, I need them to actually start correcting these Blade Futures instead of presenting us with one more of them. So. Yeah, well, you know, so like, um, you know, we might get a positive future eventually. <laughs> but maybe not, because it's comic books and I think yeah. they've got to keep the futures bleak in order to keep the storylines going. The thing is, even, even when I 
was younger and I was doing things like watching the X-Men cartoons and stuff, I never liked, I never liked the bleak future storylines with Cable in them. I always found those boring. Mm-hmm. And I always found that the most boring aspect of the, ter- the Terminator storyline. It's like, please, just can we can we fix this and move on to something else? Yeah. Um, so that's just that's a that's a subjective thing as much as an objective thing for me. Um, but again, overall, Arrow is much stronger this season than I uh, that I assumed it was going to be. Specifically, with with Oliver spending so much time in prison, I did not have very high hopes for the prison storyline, and that turned out to be one of the more entertaining aspects of the whole thing so far. Yeah, I mean, I I'm thinking that he's probably going to be in prison for quite a while, quite a while. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You know, so. it's kind of made it's kind of made Felicity more interesting, and uh, the dynamic that she's having now with Laurel and and oh uh, my god, the, the the Felicity Laurel uh, Dinah tag team yeah. is just wonderful. And yeah, it's it's also kind of like he's 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 gave us some interesting stuff with Renee being out there, and you got Curtis and Diggle working in Argos and Argus and. And all this, yeah. all this Argus subplot about the villainy within Argus that they're trying to sort of like expose. Yeah, uh, I was also glad that they actually highlighted the fact that that um, Curtis is, you know, Curtis Holt, Mister Terrific, is actually a super genius with the gazillion languages and the you know, an Olympic athlete and all this stuff. They've been playing that down for the humor for the longest time. It's like the man has skills; let him use them. Thank you. Yeah, there was a line in there was a line in it the other week which crapped me up some chronic, and it's like it, and it's same line. They've used it quite a few times over the years, but it still cracks me up every time it's done. And um, it was when it was when they're going, it was when Rene and, um, and 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 they're going undercover with Felicity to try and trying to get you know get get to Diaz, and um, it all went wrong. But he goes, you know, right, Curtis, grab your balls, we're going in. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> the the one issue that I have with the storyline so far is that they they minimized the FBI agent Agent Watson. Mm. They took her out. Yeah, a lot. Soon. I wanted I wanted them to actually do stuff with her. Yeah, I wanted to, I wanted her to start feeling guilty for putting Arrow putting putting Oliver away. Yeah, you know, I, I wanted to I wanted to see see a bit of an arc where she where where she she starts to second guess herself and. Starts to feel remorseful for having put Oliver away. Um, yeah. see, seeing how much Star Shit City's gone to gone, gone from Star City to Star Shitty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, but I, yeah, I just I, I feel like they 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 underutilized her, and that's that. But that was annoying. Given given the setup, they should have done more with her. And I'm still annoyed, even though the prison storyline was significantly stronger than I envisioned. I'm still annoyed that we haven't gotten a Suicide Squad variation. Because again, putting putting whatever you think of Oliver's decision making process aside, he is this world class archer and martial artist just rotting in a prison. Mm. Or why? You know, I mean, it just screams Suicide Squad storyline. It might happen though. They, they they might still be able to do it. I mean, it's a uh, this this uh, we're, we're only we're only like six weeks in. Yeah. Um, so there's still probably a, a possible fourteen or fifteen or sixteen episodes to go in which they could actually do that, and and maybe that maybe that is what they're, they're planning to do, and maybe that is uh, how Oliver redeems himself and and um, he gets pardoned. For doing that, yeah, yeah, you know. But then again, that's probably too logical a route for the writers to go down, you know. So it's um, but it'd be interesting, you know. The, it, it does scream Suicide Squad, but maybe, may, maybe it screams a little bit too much Suicide Squad, if you get what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Whereas if the writers go down that path, they're going to be criticised for actually, you know, doing Suicide Squad. You know, well, so it's logical. Yeah. It, it's kind of like it's kind of like doing a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation with that. Um, yeah. Anyway, moving on, we you know sort of like the the last show we're going to cover. Um, we're going to cover Legends in the next episode. Um, we'll try and get another one of these out uh, before Christmas. <laughs> um, but we're going to cover the Flash. Um, and you know what are you thinking so far? I'm kind of like it's all right. I'm quite enjoying the uh, the stuff with Caitlin Snow and uh, you know discovery of her father and um, and all that. Yeah, I, I I really hope that this version of the storyline actually goes somewhere because apart from 
owing the fans something relative to Killer Frost, they owe Daniel Panabaker. Yeah. You, you realize, this is an actress who, that you know that old cliche, what's my motivation? Well, these actors really do need to know their motivations. And she has been operating in a relative vacuum for years. Yeah, I mean, I thought, too, I thought she was brilliant um, as Killer Frost last year. At the performance level, she is able to do wonders with basically nothing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, so they, they owe her. They owe her a storyline that actually comes from somewhere and goes somewhere. Because, you know, they, they, they haven't given her that. And I'm, I'm, hoping, this, I'm hoping this is the one. So. Yeah, me too. And um, I'm feeling sorry for poor Cisco because he's, you know... Cicada's pretty much wiped out his body. Oh, yeah, that's the other thing I wanted to talk about. That scene, um, like you said in your review, that scene between the two of them, where we actually get the sense of their friendship and the fact that they've been operating in relation to each other for a a long time now, Mm -hmm. um, was amazing. They're they're very much like brother and sister. Yes, yes. You know, know, in that that song, like, platonic brother and sister, sort of like relationship, and, you know... They've got so much love for each other, but they've also got so much sort of like uh, I won't say resentment or or but they've got a lot of love for each other, but they've also got a lot of issues with each other. And yeah. and to see that scene last week, it was just really well written and it was brilliantly performed. Yes, um, yeah. You know, so like um, I mean, I'm not sure whether you're happy with how I'm writing the reviews now, how I'm splitting it up into sort of like segments. It works. That, it know, works. It's solid. You know, because it's all like it seems to make more sense to write reviews and like that anyway. It um, does. And, um, yeah. and, you know, even though you end up regurgitating part of the story that you've already sort of like explained in the synopsis, it's <laughs> sort of like it, it kind of works. And Yeah, yeah. All right. And to discuss the acting level and, uh, and sort of like highlight the, the, the performer of the week, I think it just sort of like uh, adds a little bit something to it. Um, but I've been I've been quite enjoying the Flash, although um, excess is just getting on my nerves. Yeah, although I think after this most recent episode, it's going to get better between her and Iris, which will be an improvement right there. Yeah, she was getting on my nerves too. She was justified to the extent that she was justified, but they had milked it just a little too long. That's not what's getting on my nerves. It's the whole oh sway and oh I'm sort of like. Um, She's, she's this hyper, you know. If, yeah, if she was in a, that's that's what happens when you're the daughter of Barry Allen. So if she was in a room with me right now, I'd leave. Oh, <laughs> just to get out of there because I just can't be doing with hyper people like that. No, generally. by the same token, Jessica Parker Kennedy at the performance level is crushing it. Mm-hmm. You totally buy her as the child of of, of Barry Allen and, and and Iris West Allen. So. Yeah, and, and and she kind of looks like she could be the child of those two yeah, actors the, the, as well. Yeah, the bone structure. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I've I've quite enjoyed the way the the way sort of like uh, Candice Patton, who plays Iris, who plays uh, sorry Iris, yeah, has been been playing playing it, and she's been doubting her her abilities as a mother and all that. But I yeah. I, I really enjoyed the scene with um, with Nora and Cecile last week. Oh yes, when Cecile yes. kind and, of guilts her into. Yeah, and I I um, that scene would have been better with Jesse Martin, but um you know and and, and for listeners who don't know, poor Jesse Martin had some sort of uh, snafu during the hiatus and hurt his back rather mm-hmm. badly, and so he's taking a medical leave. That's why he was sitting down in so many scenes, and that's why you don't see him on screen in as many episodes. It's because he's he's getting better. And so on behalf of Sci-Fi, Sci-Fi Pulse and the whole fandom in general, just please get well. Get yourself well. Get yourself rehab. We want you back. Yeah. And make sure you put enough money away to pay your rent. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. That. <laughs> you went down the road. Okay. Sorry. I couldn't, I couldn't resist. Yeah. Um, I was just watching that the other night, actually, the uh, yes. the film version. Um, yes. But he was also in the stage version as well, wasn't he? Yes, yeah. yeah he was. So. He transferred the. He originated the role and transferred it to the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. he's that awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm yeah. kind of. I'm kind of hoping he was listening to this show now. <laughs> It'd be fun. No, and I, and I totally love the fact that. Um, that um, one of the things I love is the the, the fact that excess uh, actually calls him Papa Joe. It's like you know the whole the whole grandpa thing. 
It's 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 looking good on him. It's looking good on him. It and is, I, and I want and I want to see more of that when he's better. To, you know, to be honest, when you you know, I think I think we've seen the reason why Joe fell in love with Cecile in oh, God, how yes. Cecile yes. dealt with that. Because she's yeah. kind, she's kind of like the female version of Joe. Yes. You know, so like, uh, you know, it's not opposites attract as far as those two are concerned. It's so like the same person in in yeah. in, 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 in a different body. <laughs> yeah, in, 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 a, in a good way. I've I have I've long since thought um, that that uh, compatible couples make for better for better entertainment than the opposites attracts. Um, trope. I'm actually rather sick of the opposites attract trope. Yeah, well, the opposite attract trope. They usually end up fighting and getting divorced anyway, and then yeah, they go back I, together I again, and then they have another fight. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I prefer I prefer couples that are just couples because they figured out how to be couples. You know, mm-hmm. so no, like like uh, like Lynn and Jefferson. She's she may be the ex, but she's the She's the ex for you know valid reasons, and she's not really the ex because the two of them are they're together. Yeah, they're together. I mean, and and I think Barry and Iris make a pretty good couple, and I'm quite yes, enjoying yeah. their their parental struggles at the moment. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. The parental struggles as only a speedster family could have them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, with with a bit of time travel thrown in and stuff like that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just. Um, I mean, it's gonna be, you know, it's gonna be entertaining to see how all this and thing. But we've got the, um, we've got the special episodes coming up, haven't we, in early December? Yes, the crossovers. There, um, for those who don't know, um, Legends will not be involved. Um, Black Lightning will not be involved at all because the Achilles who write and produce the Black Lightning have decided that as of now they're not going to involve themselves in crossovers. They want to put more effort in just establishing their end of the universe. We haven't even established which parallel. Earth Black Lightning even takes place on yet. They haven't even numbered Black Lightning's Earth, mm. which tells you how which tells you how to, which is so, what a slow burn that is. Um, um, so Black Lightning is not involved um, just because it, it's too many parts. Legends is not involved in the crossover. It's just going to be it's going to be uh, Arrow. It's going to be Flash. And it's going to be Black Lightning, and it's going to be sort of trippy in that there's going to be some role reversal stuff going on from the little yeah, so, promos that we've got. So basically it's going to be Flash, Supergirl and Arrow. Yes. crossover. Yeah, um, and, um, and it's going to be one of those alternate reality things where Arrow becomes the Flash and Flash becomes Arrow and then something else is going on with Supergirl and they all, ma- they all um, mesh up. And then once, um, once uh, Oliver becomes the Flash, by the way, that explains why they got rid of the chin strap and the Flash mm-hmm. suit. Yeah. Because they they had to accommodate uh, Amel's facial hair. Yeah. Um. So um. And by the way, Stephen Amel, according to according to his Twitter feed, has absolutely fallen in love with the flash suit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um. They. I think they. They either. They either made another flash suit for him to keep, or let him keep part of his flash suit. I'm not sure what it was, but he absolutely just loved his time, you know, in the, in the other guy's shoes. And, um, and so, and because he is now the Flash, the Flash needs the Nora. The Nora that, he, that he's going to be interacting with is Nora Freeze, played by Mrs. Amell. All right. So they, you know, so they're so they're so they're nodding to that internal continuity. And you know, also, you know, there's also yeah. been another interesting development in in as far as Arrow in that the Black Archer is going to be returning. So John wow. Barrowman is going to be coming back. He's I actually missed that. Shot. When was this announced? He's, well, I I was reading about it on Digital Spy. Um, apparently, okay. John Barrowman at the moment is in in the jungle of Australia. Yeah, that's, that's why that, it must, um, it's probably going to be next season then because he's busy right now. Well, you know, he's all, the, the the Australian jungle show. It's live, um, mm. so that's just going to be for the next three weeks. Then after that, he's available again. Um, okay, never mind. Says, okay. I, I wasn't I wasn't sure how your your reality over the, reality TV over there worked. He says, from the uh, from the. From the Twitter snippets, he looks like he's having the time of his life. Yeah, he says he's shot an episode already of Arrow. Oh. Um, Malcolm Merlin is going to be returning. Um, I don't know how or, or why. I mean, uh, unless so, like, it's something to do with uh, Tawir Al Ghul. Yeah. Uh, because we've seen Malcolm Merlin die on, yes. on Nanyu. Nanyu. Uh, he, had, he, had, he had an awesome death scene. As, yeah. as, as fond as I am of John Merriman and Malcolm Merlin, if we never saw him again... 
that was an awesome death scene. That's how to go out. But he's um, he's returning to Arrow, um, and I I kind of um, I picked it up on um, on Digital Spy, I think, and he, he basically he gave an interview shortly before going into going to Australia. Um, I'll, I'll have to look for that because here's the thing: they've they've given they're in a bind in the Berlantiverse in that the three best villains, um, Malcolm uh, Malcolm Merlin, uh, Eobard Thawne, and Damian Dark. Every other villain they've had on every other show is operating in relation to some combination of those three. Mm-hmm. And they're completely fracked because it's like those really were the best three villains for reasons. And, and despite really above average efforts by a lot of other otherwise really talented actors, they're chasing those three. There's a there's a reason why they put them in a season together of Legends of Tomorrow with the, with the Legion of Dumark. I mean, when when they're when they're together, and Eobard Thawne announces that they're going after the Spear of Destiny, it was literally plot proof. I wouldn't have cared if they had said the the mystical crystal of the planet Zorg. There was there was there was literally the, the only point was that the three of them were in the same space. Yeah, and it, it's on like a, it's, it it shows you that Barrowman can act as well oh, because God. a yes. lot of people. Yeah. A lot of people had their doubts because he was playing in 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 a Torchwood. He was playing such an over the top character. Yeah, and, and I have to, to say, like, um, whatever questions speaking of his acting ability, whatever issues you had with Torchwood on television, the big finish stuff allow for range as well. Mm-hmm. He's gotten he's gotten you know significantly stronger material. Yeah, and um, it's like um, I, I'm glad he's back. I'm looking forward to seeing how they how they explain it. Um, yes. But then again, we've seen him die. It was an awesome death scene, but, you know, sort of like, uh, they were on the island of me on you. And, they, and we didn't see the body. And, yeah, we that's, didn't see the body. <laughs> that's, that's the other thing. It doesn't matter what show it is. If they do a death scene with whatever, whatever character they do the death scene with, and you don't see the body, it's not real. Yeah, that character's coming back for sure. Yeah. And, 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 and sometimes on these shows, even when you see the body, it's still not real. <laughs> but yeah, um, I, I thought you knew that. I thought you. No, I, I, I literally missed that. Oh my god, I'm so happy right now. <laughs> I'm so happy right now. Oh, and one quick thing, one quick um, tangent. Um, there's one. Um, uh, tar- there's one Torchwood audio next year that you're going to have to listen to because the because um, uh, Jack is going to be meeting Joe Grant. Ooh. They're bring- or Joe Jones, as she's known now. He's, he's going to be meeting the now aging. Josephine Jones, mm-hmm. Kenny Manning, and John Barrowman are going to be in the same space. Ooh, that'll be yeah. fun. That'll be fun. Yes. Okay, well, on that note, we're going to wrap this episode up for this week. Uh, we'll be back in probably another two weeks, I guess. Um, yeah. And there's no Arrow on next week, isn't there? We've been Thanksgiving. No, it's it's on because um, Thanksgiving is Thursday, and I think Arrow's Monday, or, or maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I will let you know. The schedules, the schedules in general have been weird. I know there's no Supergirl on next week because it said uh, I don't think that's going to come back to December eighth or something because of Thanksgiving. Because Thanksgiving's over the weekend. Yeah, yeah, you could be right. I yeah, the schedules have gotten strange, and mm. plus for um, after the hiatus starting starting in January, they're changing again. So. Mm. So we'll probably get we'll probably get a few more episodes in December. Then it will then it will go off for all the Christmas stuff. I'm guessing. Yeah, and the the crossover, the three way crossover, is going to be a standalone episode. They're going to have the mid season finales of these shows, and then the crossover. Cool. So the cross so the crossover will be a sta- will be a standalone storyline. So it's just going to be one episode of crossover. It's going to be it's going to be a three episode crossover. Uh-huh. Um, um, but they're gonna they're gonna shift the schedule around. Uh, so that so that they can accommodate that, and then Legends and Black Lightning will do their own thing. Awesome. So. Okay. Well, on that note, we're going to bring the show to an end. Uh, hope you enjoyed listening. Um, if you have any comments, uh, feel free to sort of leave them. Um, to to you know, you can write to Ian at SciFiPulse.net, or you can get us on Twitter, Twitter at SciFiPulse, um, or at is it Raisa? 
it's it's Raisa Devereaux. It's um go go to Sci-Fi Pulse and and look up my name because it's a very it's R A I S S A D E B E R E U X. It's a French name. You're better off just going online and looking up one of my articles and spelling it from there. Yeah. <laughs> so well, it's no, you can, at my name. You so. can you can follow us on Twitter at Sci-Fi Pulse and uh, Raisa retweets us all the time, so you, you you'll probably find her um, yes. under yeah. under all the retweets. So you can follow her that way. Um, uh-huh. But you know, if you have any comments on the shows or want to sort of join the conversation, feel free. Um, but that's all for this week, folks. Uh, we hope to be back at you again in a in a couple of weeks' time with more Doctor Who reviews and um, and thoughts and. Um, We'll probably do a bit on legends next time. Uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be better because um, after um, after this week, Nora Nora Dark will be officially in the mix, and I want to wait until after tonight's episode because she wasn't officially in the mix till till tonight's episode. Mm-hmm. So. so that's all for this week, folks. Bye for now.